It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon and welcome to Talent Talk. Thank you so much for joining me today, whether you are coming into us uh, live or maybe you're picking this up later on on our podcast on iTunes or maybe on iHeartRadio or finding us on our website, talenttalkradio.com. However you're finding us, thank you for for doing that and being a part of the uh, being part of the show, being part of the conversation. Um, if you maybe this is the first time you've you've landed on our show, or maybe has it been a little bit, uh, I can give you a little rundown on kind of how the show works, why we're here, and what we're trying to do. Um, you know, I've met so many inspiring leaders at shows through LinkedIn, through referrals, um, just you know, bumping into them on the street, whatever it may be. Um, and you know, these are really smart people that are doing some incredible things, and I love to learn what smart people are doing. And I love to know what they're thinking about and what types of things that they think maybe we should be focusing on or looking at inside of our companies. And so this show is that conversation, it's that dialogue we're gonna have, but we get to let you uh, listen in on it and hopefully you can learn something, you can get something you can use in your own career in a positive way. Um, we've had so many wonderful stories, in fact, that um, that really was the genesis or basis behind my first uh, best-selling book, The Power of Company Culture. Love for you to check it out on Amazon or go to my publisher's site, Kogan Page, and you know, really hear some of the incredible stories that we've had from you know, the head of HR from uh, General Motors to the head of people from Southwest Airlines and many, many more. Really some great stuff there. Um, or you can go back and listen to their podcast as well. I'd love to have you do that. All right. As I mentioned, Talent Talk is a live show. We tape it live and then we turn to a podcast later on. And we are live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, and it, you can definitely find us, though, on iTunes or iHeartRadio. Um, there's over 10,000 of you a day that are downloading one of the podcasts. We just It blows me away. Thank you so much for everyone's support and for being active with us. Um, you know, If you want to be a part of the conversation, whether you are listening live or after the fact, we'd love to have you do that via Twitter. Um, or if you see us on LinkedIn or Facebook, you can do it there too. But Twitter is really the area where we kind of do it the most, and that is tweet us questions and suggestions and comments. Use that hashtag Talent Talk. If you can squeeze in the at PeopleG2, we'll really make sure we'll see it. Um, and we will tag our guests, and uh, we certainly do a good job of that ahead of time. You can find our guests' uh, handles there and ask your questions and give your comments and agree or disagree, whatever it may be. Love to have you do that. All right, now we got all the business out of the way. Let's get to my guests. My first guest calling in from the UK today will be David D'Souza, um, Membership Director of the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development, otherwise known as the CIPD. And then after the commercial break, we'll bring in Ryan uh, McRory. Uh, he's actually calling in from Australia. So this is a very international show today. Um, looks like they're all, all stayed up late while I'm just finished up lunch, so I appreciate their, them doing that. But he's with the Employee Engagement Team Manager of uh, UE Insurance. So uh, let's go ahead and bring in David. David, welcome to the show. Hello. Delighted to almost be here. Almost be here. <laughs> well, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Um, I think I was right. You were calling from the UK. And certainly what's important for us to know about you, your work, and what you're doing over there at the CIPD? Absolutely. So I work for the CIPD. We champion better working, working lives. So we're the professional body for HR and people development. We're based in London. Uh, I've been working there three years. Before that, my entire career just about has been spent working in HR. Um, just about every part of HR has been covered, I think, apart from payroll, because they would never trust me to put me in charge of that. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't want you using that calculator. I get it. 
Um, yeah, about five minutes in, I think I'd just throw the cactus out the window and tell me I could just pay whatever they want to get paid. That'd be too much for me. Um, so in your work at the CIPD, uh, what do you do to ensure you're maybe you know, championing a better work environment for employees? Um, it's really important to us because we view ourselves very much as um, leading the profession. So that means that we need to put um, our money where our mouth is uh, and we need to lead the way on different agendas, be that, you know, making sure that diversity and inclusion is at the heart of what we do or just purely making sure that we have good people practice. So we're investing heavily both in time and resource to make sure that anyone who visits um, or anyone who is part of the team there feels as positively about the work environment as they can do. So maybe you could kind of talk a little bit more about the CIPD and the work that you're doing or, you know, how that sort of has an impact the rest of, of, of your ecosystem, um, especially if you're not from London, if you don't know that acronym. Um, maybe you could kind of give us a little deeper dive on that. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're the uh, professional body uh, for uh, HR. We have a very uh, large number of members in the UK, so probably about 140,000 members in the UK, so probably about a third of the profession here. Um, we provide qualifications. Uh, we also are a, a very strong membership body, so we provide community and support for people, as well as lobbying on issues that are key to our members, so attempting to get changes in the law to genuinely help uh the working environment in the UK be more positive. Uh, so that might be on contractual terms or that might actually be just attempting to get organisations to understand the importance of effective corporate culture. So for Americans, let's say, would, they, would your organisation be very similar then to SHRM? I, I think there'd be an equivalence there. I think um, both SHRM and ourselves would probably say that we go about things in a slightly different manner. Um, sure. But if, if you uh, are a member of a professional body in the UK, it would tend to be us. Right. Got it. So that kind of puts a framework in there for uh, at least uh, the the overall maybe purpose and what you're doing, although maybe doing things very differently. Yeah. So as the head of engagement there at the CIPD, what is sort of the strategy? Uh, what is your strategy at this time to ensure that you know really helping people be you know have that relevant source of information that kind of being relevant for what people need not only now but in the future. Well, we talk about uh, three things being really important to us. One of being principles-led, so standing up for what matters in the profession, uh, the ethical side of things, uh, and making sure that HR is seen as um, a really strong voice in organisations. The second of which is being evidence-led um, and uh, evidence-based, and that's making sure that any of the work that we do or the practitioners operating in our name uh, is based around really sound principles. And the third one is about outcomes driven, which is making sure that we're really making a difference in the world of work. So where we go um, into a position where we're communicating with our members or we're communicating with the world of work more broadly, they're the principles that we operate on as well. So are we doing the right thing and having a voice for the right reason to impact and think about the channels that we're operating in and who we're attempting to influence? Do we have a solid evidence base? So can we be confident that we're talking about the right things in the right way? Um, and finally, what impact are we having on the world of work? And that's what we really need to be measured on. Um, and we're pushing practitioners harder and harder not to think about have you followed the right process, but actually have you reached the right outcome? Um, because at the end of the day, the right outcome for people and businesses is the most important thing. Well, I really love that. And I, I sort of uh, tend to frame what you what you said as measurement, right? Bringing in the right kind of measurement into an organization. Are you Do you have that evidence-based um, Learning? Are you look making decisions based on you know the right data? And um, you know, I remember having an employee who we thought was the best employee ever. And when we actually started measuring things properly, we found out um, they weren't so good. They were actually just cheating the system all day long. Um, <laughs> and so you know, we suddenly found out our worst employee we thought in that department was our best because they were actually doing the work all the way and being very diligent and thorough. Um, so it's amazing what happens when you use evidence based. Uh, you know, policies and procedures and things to really make your decisions better. Uh, do you see that companies tend to kind of have a, a similar epiphany or do they have other kind of outcomes as they begin to do that more and more? Um, what I would say is that I think there's a broader movement to recognize the value of that. I think what's really interesting is that measuring value add in an organization is really tricky. So you're right, you'll, uh, you'll find different ways of finding out that your stars aren't quite your stars. But I always think most organizations have got someone who makes every meeting they're in 10% more likely to get to the right decisions. 
and yet our ability to evaluate that and recognize and reward that is really limited still um so i think hr analytics has got a massive role to play over the coming years in really helping organizations undercover uncover the absolute stars of the organization the people who have knit them together effectively yeah and sometimes that gets into personality types and having those types of people who who can be a visionary who's going to be a more of a project manager who can really work inside the details who can be creative and help us come up with ideas and not you know and so yeah if you have a group of people that are charged to do something and you're missing some of those key personality traits it's it's often hard to to, to get where you need to be so yeah that, that kind of measurement is super important uh, as well i i know you've sort of been labeled as someone that can completely change people's views of hr uh, i'm not sure if that is a positive or negative uh, uh you're trying to change them or maybe just change their overall view in a, in a completely different way almost a pivot um what ideas or concepts uh, that you've developed, you kind of attribute that that to? Uh, first of all, you're, you're right. I guess it could be for better or worse. So <laughs> I, I, met, I met 10 people of HR for, for the rest of their lives. Right. I think um, one of the things that we, we've seen over the years in HR is the desire to kind of follow the fads um, and the trends that are happening in the marketplace quite often pick up buzzwords. I think all I've ever tried to do in my career in HR is, is try and make things simple. Uh, no simpler than they should be, but simplify the language, get back to what we're attempting to do, serve organizations and people effectively, um, and cut out some of the complexity that we build into things. So, you know, the question is, every day when you go in, are you helping the organization be better? Not are you maintaining the status quo, but are you helping it be better? And we had all of those, you know, if you've been in and around HR for years, we've spoken for ages about having a seat at the table. No one wants you at the table if all you're going to do is say no. They want you at the table if you're going to create ways to say yes and to enhance the organization. So I see us primarily as a business function that is delivering real value and helping organizations grow. And I think as soon as you see HR through that lens, rather than one that's protecting or controlling, you get really different answers to almost every question. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, we talk about employee engagement a lot, especially on this show. But as you mentioned, HR kind of sometimes following the, the buzz or the, the keywords and, you know, but it certainly is something that has taken on a real hold, right? It's sort of past that initial uh, buzz phase, in my opinion, and we've really gotten in much deeper into how this is going to be important and what we can do. But I know you're directly involved with uh, membership engagement, uh, ensuring that membership of the CIPD is is getting what's you know is needed from the organization. Maybe you could talk about strategies that you use to make sure the brand and the organization is really meeting the needs of its members, because ultimately they're you know, what they're getting from you is going to directly translate into how they can be effective in their organizations. Absolutely. So I, I think we have two roles um, as a professional body to lead and serve. Um, we lead the profession by helping it move in spaces that it might not do otherwise. And we serve it by listening intently at every turn about what the needs of the practitioners are day after day. And it's no different, really, to being inside an organization. If you approach it from a view of, we're here to support, so we need to understand what the problems are at the heart of the organization and support people to be their best and deliver. That's our strategy. We just happen to do it across tens of thousands of people. Um, and that is the key to any engagement strategy, I think. It's, it's not about the measurement at times. It's about the intense listening and the intent that sits behind every action. So I have listened to you, I've heard you, I've responded to that, and I'm prepared to be humble enough at a point in the future to understand that what I thought was the solution to the problem isn't. I'll keep going back and trying again. I think it's that continuous improvement mindset, which is absolutely the heart of what good HR does, which is not we're doing this because we did it last year, but what do we need to solve for this year? Yeah, and sometimes that can be difficult in an organization that says, well, we did it this way last year. We should do it this way again, right? We have tradition. We have history. We have, we had success last year, right? I mean, last year's holiday party was really nice at, you know, whatever restaurant. Should we just go back there again? I mean, we, we often have uh, people in our organizations that want to repeat, rinse and repeat over and over and over again. So do you find that that's a, a common obstacle for HR, that, you know, they're looking for what's best, what's new? Um, maybe they've learned something new and they realize they can do it better do you think it's, it's a common struggle for them uh, to be fighting that status quoism that there might be in an organization? 
Yeah, I, 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 I've got a really bad joke about elephant powder that I use to talk to people. So you're walking down the street and you see someone sprinkling powder in the road and you say to them, what is that? And they say, I'm sprinkling elephant powder. And you say, well, what does it do? And they say, it keeps away elephants. And you say, but there aren't any elephants around here. And they say, yes, it's wonderful powder. <laughs> and I think, I think we have far too often in HR mistaken the activity that we have for the impact on the organisation and we haven't questioned it hard enough. And good HR practitioners go back and they review everything that they're doing and going, is that the best possible thing I could be doing for the organisation to drive value at the moment? And you have to balance that relentless desire to move forward with the temptation to fall into fans. And it's a really tricky balance. But the ones that do it brilliantly, they're the ones that you can be confident are really making a difference to organizations and the people within them. Well, only five questions or so, Ann, but uh, it's no surprise to me already just in hearing you speak and uh, way you're articulating things that you're regularly listed as a top inf- influential person in HR and the future of work and many others. So obviously these awards help you to know that you're, what you're doing is important and recognizable, but you know, what are some of the other metrics that you use to ensure your practices and strategies are effective uh, and really working. I mean, it's nice to get an award, but, you know, are the things that you really look forward to, are the members, are the people that I'm working with really getting what they need from me? And, and you, you can go home and, you know, and sleep well at night. Yeah, the, the external recognition's um, absolutely lovely. I think um, the key for me, though, is that day to day, what I do is I run and I lead teams. And the focus of my attention always has to be on, am I doing well enough for those teams? Um, I compare leadership to playing golf. I I think you can get good at it, but it's rare that anyone properly masters it. And so every day it's reflecting on, have I delivered what I need for for those teams? And do I have a strong enough relationship with them that they will tell me when I'm not delivering for them? Um, And uh, luckily, I can say that uh, certainly with my immediate colleagues, they let me know um, the second that I'm not giving them what they need. But I think that's the heart of a healthy relationship. And the second thing I think for for anyone who speaks or talks about HR regularly is the most exciting bit of me for any conference is the Q&A afterwards, because that's where practitioners genuinely get to test and push you on you know does your nicely rehearsed speech actually play out in their organization and and that's the bit that i look forward to most uh, is not you know saying things but actually getting that push back in q a to keep sense checking are we on the right lines here are we making a difference yeah it is always interesting when you get the right questions in q a especially if you maybe are dancing out into the peripheral areas of of theory and and opinion if you're able to directly challenge some really st- you know, steadfast beliefs that people may have, uh, and that Q and A can all, uh, sometimes realign what we think as speakers, and but very often helps people uh, kind of realign where they're at um, with the new, all the new information they've received. So, you, you know, and, and everything you're doing, I have it here listed that you're also uh, leading up in customer service over the CIPD. So, uh, sounds like you have a lot on your plate. But maybe you could talk about what leadership strategies. Do you have in place when it comes to leading a team, you know, leading a vital team and making them effective? I think it's probably a diff- maybe slightly different intent or focus as you're helping members versus, you know, if you're you're leading a specific team inside of an organization. I think there's similar philosophies, but I, I think with leading a team inside an organization, there's that focus on the human element and trust being generated in a slightly different way. So how visible are you in the organization? Um, How open to challenge are you in the organization? Um, What do you do that legitimizes positive behavior? And I think legitimacy is something we don't talk enough about in organizations. But what do you do as a role model or a senior member of an organization to say to people, it's okay to do this? And whether that is working more flexibly, whether that is thinking more creatively, I think you always have to spend your time thinking, if I were observing this externally, would I be doing the right thing now? And what message would I be sending? Um, So I have some slack when it's communicating with people externally to the organization. I can control the messaging channel. Internally, if I want our people to care about customers, I have to care about customers and I have to show that in everything that I do. Absolutely. And and it's certainly, like you said, a lot of it's similar, but yeah, you have to have a maybe a slightly different focus in one area or another. And uh, it's always um, it's always fun to wear multiple hats. I, I know that's certainly a fun, funnest part of my day. 
Um, you know, one of the we've been asking our, our uh, uh, guests a couple of consistent questions uh, throughout the year, and just trying to get a gauge for where they're at and some of the things that they're thinking about and doing. Um, so the first one is, is, is there an app or a gadget or something that you've added to your life uh, maybe this year that you might share with us that we might, um, you know, we might take a look at or think about adding to our own lives? Uh, yes, one of the things that I've, uh, I, I use, and I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of it desperately, but I have an app that measures the amount of uh, times that I unlock my phone on an average day as well as telling me how many hours screen time I have. Um, and it is a sobering thought to think I, I unlock my mobile phone 170 times a day. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. That's scary, isn't it? That's, that's definite addiction territory. Um, and my screen time is about seven hours a day. So I, I use it to work on my commute in. I use it on the way out. I use it throughout the day to kind of check between um, meetings and so I, that's really helped me reflect on actually when i want to turn it off so i went on holiday a couple of weeks back and i deleted the linkedin and the twitter app from my phone so that i wasn't even tempted to uh, switch in so technology helping me to control technology so what was the name of that app um i think it's called habitly um uh, but if anyone wants to follow me on twitter i will make sure that i go on uh, directly after this podcast and and uh, drop the oh, it's Checkly actually, C H E C K L Y, um, and that will tell you uh, exactly how bad you are compared to me. Checkly, we'll have to uh, check it out. Yeah, look, it looks like there's a couple Checklys, so make sure you figure out the one that's Checkly phone habit. I am deathly afraid to find out what it's going to tell me, but I am going to try it, and um, hopefully, I am south of 170 and not sending you a note that I was worse than that. Um, I could be. I'm a little bit scared. Um, so <laughs> uh, the other question um, that we love to ask our guests is, is there a book that you're reading right now or one that you tend to suggest that people should check out? Uh, I just finished uh, Barking Up the Wrong Tree by Eric Barker. Uh, and that was a really nice, um, quite punchy uh, kind of behavioral economics, um, social sciences book. Uh, talking about leadership, uh, collaboration, perseverance, and personal habits. Uh, and I'm also reading a book by Gary Klein on how um, individuals generate insight effectively. So I think HL's got a stack of things it needs to learn from the social sciences um, and behavioral economics in particular. So I make sure that I kind of keep wide in there. The other thing I am reading at the moment is an introduction to machine learning. Um, so one of the things that I'm aware of is I speak very often about the future of work. And if you can't actually explain machine learning clearly to people, um, when you do falter in a and a pretty rapidly. Well, that sounds like some uh, great stuff, great books for people to check out. Uh, don't forget, we will uh, tweet that or get that information up there if you follow at PeopleG2. Um, love to have you check that out. You know, you've, you've mentioned a lot of great things today. If someone was running between meetings and not paying attention as much as they should have, and they only remembered one of the great things that you said today, what is it you hope they might remember? What's at the top of the list? Uh, bizarrely, it would be ignore thought leaders. Uh, thought leaders are very scary people. Uh, you should never be attempting to lead anyone's thoughts. Um, take prompts from wherever you can, wherever you can in life, to think harder about things and reflect. Um, but it's your career in HR. You need to own your decisions and you can outsource lots of functions, but you can never outsource your thinking. Fantastic. Well, how can people get a hold of you? How can they learn more about CIPD if they're interested and certainly in the area to, to take advantage of, of everything you guys offer? Uh, they can go on the CIPD website. They can connect with me through uh, LinkedIn or I'm on Twitter at, at DDS180. Um, or the other thing they can do is check out my blog at daviddesouza.com. Well, fantastic, David. David, thank you so much for all your great insights, giving our listeners so many things to think about, all your suggestions, uh, even the scary ones about how many times I'm opening my phone. Um, but thank you for all that uh, help for everyone's careers and experience. Um, we'd love to have you come back at some point and give us an update on what you and your members are, are thinking about. Fantastic. Thank you for speaking to me. All right, I'm going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back with my second guest, all the way from Australia, Ryan McGrory. 
Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news? Or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit AXPGOLD.com. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at AXPGOLD.com. Do you want a free analysis of your inbound marketing? Do you want it in 30 seconds or less? Then check out Marketing Grader, the free marketing tool from HubSpot. It's simple. Just go to marketinggrader.com, enter the URL that you want to analyze, and Marketing Grader will instantly give you a detailed report grading your lead generation, mobile marketing, social media, competitive benchmarking, and more. It's simple, it's powerful, and it's free. MarketingGrader.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. In case you missed my first guest, uh, David D'Souza, you can listen to his interview next week on the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, as well as check out my next guest, uh, Ryan McCrory, who's the Employee Engagement Team Manager at, he's probably going to correct me, but I have it as UE Insurance. I'm probably saying it wrong because I say something wrong at least once, once show, once a week. Um, don't forget to find us on TalentTalkRadio.com. Have the conversation. Uh, keep it going on Twitter, at PeopleG2. Use that hashtag, Talent Talk. We'd love to have you uh, ask us questions, comments. Uh, let the guests know what you think. But, Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. And uh, no corrections necessary. Uh, pronunciation perfect on both my name and the name of uh, UE Insurance. Well, it's a banner day. I'm sure I will screw it up before it ends, but uh, somehow I've made it. Uh, this, well I may I may just quit now. If I make it through a whole show without a mistake, I could just yeah. quit and go out on a high. So Go out on a high? Yeah, you've knocked it out of the park. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do we need to know about you and, of course, uh, UE Insurance, everything you're doing over there? What's, what's important for for everyone listening to know uh, as it relates to our conversation today. Well, okay, I'm, I'm calling from Australia. That's where UE Insurance is based. But you can probably tell that my accent doesn't originate from there. Um, I grew up in Scotland and moved to Australia around 13 years ago. Uh, I live on a, uh, the Sunshine Coast, which is known as Paradise here. And for anyone familiar with Australia, it's on the East Coast in Queensland. Um, my background is in communications and media, public relations, uh, journalism, copywriting and marketing uh, before moving into uh, UE Insurance, which is really a challenger brand in the Australian market. Um, it started around 10 years ago in Australia as a startup and has matured a lot over the time, but really has that still that startup energy. Um, my role is employee experience manager. Um, I'm sure if you read my position description, it would give you uh, some words like design and execute, employee experience strategies. But really, I think at the heart of what I do is to create hundreds of opportunities for our people uh, to be healthy, happy and recognized. Well, it's fantastic work and I'm glad we can have you on the show today. 
you know, I was intrigued by your LinkedIn profile where you talked about your career goals. Uh, yes. One of, one of which was to be actively involved with a creative role and to be inspired every day. And, you know, that, that's one thing to, to put, you know, in a description or put on a piece of paper. But, you know, in, in reality, how do people achieve that in their work? And, and, and have you been able to really achieve that yourself? Um, yeah, very good question. Um, uh, that's, that's a difficult one because it's a very personal thing um, for me. Creativity is is foremount. It's the you know it's it's what makes me happy. I, I really need it uh, for me to be healthy. I need to exercise, uh, exercise it regularly. I'm sure a lot of people are the same, but not everyone. Um, I think the combination of finding uh, finding ways to exercise creativity with something that you care about actually breeds inspiration, and it's a cycle that I personally enjoy. Um, I don't know if I have the best example or guide out with my own. Um, but I really like an Edward de Bono quote about creativity. It really resonates. Um, he says, creativity involves breaking out of established patterns in order to look at things in a different way. Um, I, I find it really clever. I believe it's an excellent habit, actually, for people to consider if they wish to use creativity in their roles uh, to you know, contribute to solutions, change, improvement, self-development, progress and growth, be it personal or for the greater good. Um, I'd also note that Pablo Picasso says that uh, the chief enemy of creativity is good sense. Um, so, uh, I like to think that I've got a decent measure of both, although there's probably plenty of people who would say otherwise. Um, I think that really the core of being creative and inspired is, is doing something that interests you and something that you care about. Surround yourself with good people and keep putting yourself in positions to, to improve and be creative. You know, I've had people uh, kind of give that um, feedback of, you know, how do they be creative? And I think you, you kind of got into some of the the more strategic kind of ideas there, right, about mm -hmm. you getting into how to do that. And often I have to give people some very practical advice, right, that they don't, they don't yeah. quite get it. And I say, drive to work on different streets. Take a different <laughs> path. You know, from your from your car to the to the your actual desk, mm. right? Yeah. Don't go to the same restaurant and have the lunch with the same people. Like, do different things mm. that are outside of this the basic status quo, and observe what happens and what you experience mm. and what you see and what you don't see. And it's amazing how many things suddenly pop. For me, I just take a different route home. Absolutely. And yeah. it's like I see something I didn't have never seen before, and that spurs an idea. And then yeah. you know, <laughs> you go to lunch with different people, and they're reading a book you would have never thought to have read, and now you're reading that book. And it's just amazing when you kind mm. of have this—it's not completely random, but at least sort of injecting some randomness into your life. How much more creative you can be? And I don't know if that you have that same experience, but that's just a part of your natural. Uh, what you're doing, I think that mm. might be helpful, I guess, for people who are a bit more rigid or aren't seeing the, oh, the totally. path, right? I think I think the nail on the head. I think you really have to look at your patterns, uh, your behaviours, and your habits. Uh, and really, if you if you find out that a lot of what you do is repetitive, then then really analysing that and forcing yourself out of them um, really breeds breeds to looking at things in a different perspective, which then of course leads to leads to creative creative thinking, creative solutions, and. Uh, and build general creativeness. So, yeah, nail on the head. So I know another one of your career goals is to live a, a work life full of exciting challenges. And um, I think that's a, a that's a big one. Um, we all have challenges. They're not always exciting, uh, but we yep. always have challenges. <laughs> uh, so as an employee experience manager, uh, this goal obviously is one that many people want to attain. How, how does your organization, how do you give you know, everyone there and all your employees, this this type of a work life, right? How do, how do you help people mm. also have exciting challenges that they're able to go and tackle every day? Yeah, yeah, there's a, a very interesting question and a lot in it. Um, uh, I, think, I think the first step, as simple as it sounds, is maybe caring about this. Um, you know, do you care enough, bare minimum, to know if your people are challenged and find their role exciting currently? Um, and that's a really big question. I think I think it's often missed. And I think the next step is is perhaps even more simple and but even more forgotten. Really, is is asking your people what challenges you and what excites you at work. Um, 
so many people rely on misinformed strategies, in my opinion, adopting uh, ideas and initiatives that perhaps worked elsewhere in other workplaces with other people without looking internally and asking, you know, asking the people who are most affected or impacted by this. Um, and I think with that knowledge, you've got a really good foundation. You know, you actually know the scope of the land um, about how people find their current roles challenging, exciting. And then you've got the answers, the solutions really about what challenges people and what, what makes things exciting. And I think there you get some really useful information. And I think the interesting question after that, once you've got those answers, is how far the organisation will go to deliver on them. And it's some, a variety of strategies there, and it's really a lot, a lot to... Um, it's unpacked, unpacked in a short detail, but I think I think job design is really, really important in it. And asking again another simple question: uh, is is this role or is this series of roles or doing a desktop analysis? Um, are we set up in a way where our people, our human beings, are going to enjoy doing this? Are going to find, you know, have we enough things in our roles in our organisation for people to enjoy? Um, I don't know. That's 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 a kind of a round away and simple way to look at it. Uh, but there's often things I think I like to go through a balance check of happy factors, either high level observation or, or on the ground asking people. Um, you know, work, looking at work demands, job control levels of support that are there for people, how relationships are managed, uh, how we manage change. Is there role clarity? Is there a sense of organisational justice? Uh, is reward and recognition and check? And if you can say that there's a balance to these things, you can move on to developing exciting opportunities. Uh, and really, it's a diverse approach because everyone's different. Everyone finds different things challenging, different things exciting. So I think if you've got the commitment and you care about it and you want to be serious about it, then you've got a, you've, you've got a really good playing field as an organisation to do things. And that's what we've done uh, a lot with our health and wellbeing programme and our reward and recognition strategies and our gamification uh, platforms have actually come or have been born rather through feedback, you know, directly asking our people, what would you like to see? You know, you've, you've identified this problem. We can go away and solve it and find strategies, of course, but no, let's ask a little bit further. What would you like to see? What would fix it for you? Uh, and I think that commitment really is central to what we've done and what we've went on to build. Yeah, and that's a really important difference, right, in how you go about dealing with what people, I mean, are, are telling you. So, I think the first big uh, component uh, is asking the right questions uh, and in the right way to make sure you're framing it correctly. So you're getting yes. the right information back from people. And then once they do give you that information, are they a part of that conversation yep. to make a change if the organization decides a change is necessary? And, uh, you know, it, it, in a perfect world, you ask the right questions, they give you the right you know, information, and then together yep. we come up with all come up with a better solution. And, of course, you don't have to convince anybody to do the solution if they've been a part of the solution um yeah. they're gonna jump right into there as opposed to yeah. you know my favorite thing is you know basically a, all of the execs get together in a boardroom and everyone can see them mm -hmm. sort of in that room over there having that meeting and it's like someone yeah. opens the door and says hey guys guess what we're now selling this and then they shut the door and everyone goes what okay <laughs> you know figure it out yeah. you know and then you expect when there's mass pandemonium and people are totally resistant to everything you well, why why is that you know so yeah I don't, I don't know how much that happens in australia but it happens here in america all the time um <laughs> i'm sure there's many similar examples yeah yeah <laughs> so i i know you you have a health and well-being program that you built um and you obviously did such a great job. You won two national awards over the last three years for it. Uh, maybe you could talk about this program, what we can learn from it, what made it successful, and how other companies could maybe adopt something similar. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, so, uh, extremely proud of this program we've built uh, from from the ground up, really, and it's uh, had a really nice trajectory. You know, coming from only five years ago, we started it and we've won won some awards along the way. So it's nice to get that industry feedback. That even better, and of course, it's from our people who, who are really supportive of it, and it's been integrated into um, into our culture. So I'm extremely proud of it, and I think again at the centre of it is our organisation's commitment to support initiatives like these and be serious about them that they aren't just you know an initiative that's you know fly by the night but is there for you know is there for a long time um, and it really has had that opportunity to have a natural growth and start simple and small and really build build to something big um, 
So the programme is called Your Life and its aims are to impact your life um, for, for our people. Um, it involves everyone. It's an extremely inclusive, diverse and has a variety offering. It's centred around things you can do. So it's things that the workplace can do for you um, uh, in your regular nine to five or whatever it may be and bring a number a number of professionals into the workspace that you can engage with. Um, it's really centred around fitness, physical fitness, physical health, mental health, um, developing finance uh, or wealth strategies, improving your finance, meditation, massage, uh, a lot of learning opportunities and a lot of fun, fun opportunities as well. Centred around, of course, the philosophy that we'd like people to be healthy and happy and that's what we try to provide Hundreds of, hundreds of opportunities and activities, challenges, um, uh, uh, info sessions and workshops. So I think we've got, last year we ran about 378 activities on site. So there was at least one thing every day. We've got our own fitness timetable. We get uh, things that are happening all the time. And the centres around, of course, things that people can actively attend and do. Um, I think the success on it, based on the fact that it's, so, uh, it's there for everyone, um, and we have a hundred percent of our people who who attend this program, so there's not anyone who doesn't doesn't participate in some way. Um, we've re- it's integrated to our culture, and within the five years, and we've got a really strong promotional arm, which which backs this up from all levels of the organisation. So it doesn't just look like it's a something that sits in HR that we're screaming out the top of our lungs that this is something you should you should do but it's something that's been been owned by by all of our people at all different levels of, of of ambassadorship from our ceo down to our frontline staff members and um, our data we're really data driven as you could imagine as an insurance company um, and we take attendance to everything and we you know engage per, uh, sort of competitive nature uh, and give prizes for people or incentives rather for 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 those who attend things most regularly uh, and we can prove that if you attend more the, the more you attend that the, the less people are sick and the happier they are in satisfaction surveys and they um, and they don't leave the business at the same rate as those who don't regularly attend um, which, is, which is a great thing for us to prove not only to our people but to the business and that's really what's the, the centre point of what's won as a lot of awards or focus on health and well-being to actually physically improve our people's health um, and also the health of the organisation. We've had two universities study the, 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 the idea of the programme in itself and also the results of it. And I think one is going to be published and spoken at later this year um, at a conference in London, uh, which will be exciting. I've yet to see the results of it, but I'm told it's very positive. Um, I think if I was to give any advice, to any other companies would be really to start small, make it about the people, bring the business along with you, don't make it about HR but really really integrate it into culture, no need to rely on gimmicks, rely on taking attendance and making it about participation about a sense of usness and community really promote the benefits to the individual and the results to the organisation and and share as often as you can human experiences well, there's a whole lot there to unpack. I mean, you, uh, you talked about a lot of great things, and I, I think the big one that I heard was that kind of incentivizing or making it, you know, even a, com- a competition uh, about attendance. And I recently spoke at an organization, and, and they had people broken up into, like, groups, almost like houses, like Harry Potter houses, right? And so mm-hmm. yeah. they and, and they did yeah. a, a whole bunch of training things over a period of time, and they were had a competition as to which group would have the most attendance, right? Which group would right. yep. have the most people come over the, you know, not everyone could go to everything, but what was, and, and that really mm-hmm. seemed to work well, and it was really fascinating. And, of course, you know, the points are fake. Um, no one really gets anything for winning, yeah. but the fact that there's a competition, most people are jumping in to do that. And of course, yeah. <laughs> had, you know, some little random prizes that you know you probably could easily gotten yourself. But it's just that fun thing of doing with your teammates, within the organization, and having that mm. that pride of it. I think is is huge. And to your point, then that the regular attendance regularly seems to be there's a correlation there between. Um, you know how well they do in the organization and how long they stay. Um, mm. uh, th- that's fascinating too. I mean, I guess even if our our most our, our least engaged employees come to things on a regular basis, does that help pull them out of it? You know, is that some factor yeah. for them having opportunity to share and discuss and to learn that they start to come out of some of that? So that, that's, that's fascinating. I mean, we could probably talk for an hour and just yeah. just on your response <laughs> there alone, um, but uh, certainly fascinating stuff. 
Yes, yes, and I think that uh, one of the interesting things that we had um, was looking at the journey of people who attended. So we kind of splitted, uh, split the data rather into into previous month, post month, um, and looked at those who who regularly attended the previous month, uh, or those who didn't attend. So if you attended one thing or zero things the previous month, what was your relationship like with the program? the month after and then what were your sort of metrics the following month and we realised those who decreased their attendance and um, you know their sick leaves increased or the amount of times they were sick increased and um, it was a really good metric for, for picking up those who might be leaving the organisation and a really good in, uh, intervention point but those who increased their participation had all positive relationships with a, a variety of metrics so it showed that even though you increased your participation or didn't attend anything and then did attend something that in uh, the programme has proven valuable in that in that regard. So that was a really interesting one. But again, you've mentioned we could probably talk about an hour and I realise I'm opening another another, another cat up. <laughs> no, that's great. And, and it would certainly it's a good uh, segue here. I'm sure no one will be surprised to know that your team, uh, your company's also been nominated as a finalist for the uh, best uh, reward and recognition program in Australia. Uh, maybe we could talk about this program and what makes it award-winning and what are you guys doing maybe outside of the health and wellness stuff, the other things you're doing to be such a top nominee? Yes, um, so uh, really what we're doing in reward and recognition and why, why we were why we were nominated as a finalist for this, again, very proud to be, um, is, is an idea that we had that was really born again out of feedback from our people. Um, so we, we we survey our people obviously regularly. We're really in touch with them. There's many things that we like to keep it keep uh, to keep in touch with as do many organisations. But we realised that there was a sense that we were we were recognising the same people. Um, our rewarded recognition structure was really centred around those who were performing the best, and and of course that can only make x amount of people happy, um, happy with the structure. So that the feedback we were getting is we need to do more and recognition and it needed to be more diverse and it needed to have more variety so so we really wanted to make a commitment to this our, our ears were pricked and we wanted to wanted to do something and um, so we we in, introduced recognition as a value so we're a values-based organization we said this is really great feedback we want to do something about this here's a commitment to it this is our value it's recognition and we built a program that was going to recognize the amazing things that our people did all of the time, so not just those five percent or ten percent who are performing um, performing at the top. But we looked at the organisation, analysed all the things that we felt felt made a great um, Dewey citizen, not just a great performer, but a great citizen of the organisation. And thought, well, how can we recognise these amazing things that are happening every single day? Uh, and that really led to a bit of research around gamification and how that could be used in the workplace. And we felt that there was great contributions to, to our culture all of the time, whether it was participating, of course, in our health and well-being program, but also people who are, are um, uh, investing in their self-development, who are contributing to learning, um, who are creating communications and communicating with the organisation and with other people from other departments, um, who are contributing to surveys, who are contributing with ideas uh, on our social feed, those who are recognising other people, so peer-to-peer -peer recognition, those who are volunteering with our charity arm, um, or, or those who are um, receiving feedback from their uh, regular feedback from our customers, either emails or surveys or socially, um, and as well as KPIs, we wanted to structure this gamification platform that could reward and recognise all of these things, so it would be a more of a holistic view. Uh, so then we got down to designing uh, what we called Your Game. So we've got Your Life, our health and wellbeing programme. We've got Your Voice, which is our community social feed. And we've got Your Game, which is to be a game uh, that would look at HR and our workplace analytics of all of those things that were contributions to our culture and recognise the individual um, and allow them to track really their career milestones. But one of the things we realised as well when looking at this is our people were doing amazing things all the time. But not all the time did they know they were doing them. Uh, we had all this workplace analytics sitting in our data lake or our data warehouse, and we weren't sharing them with our people. We thought, well, you know, uh, so and so, you know, Johnny in sales has, you know, spoken to thousands of clients within a year. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't know that otherwise. If we can recognise them for that, because we don't have a structure for it, so we built this gamification platform that is really built around this. 
um, and we wanted to make it interactive. It was a great way that we could give people live feedback often about all the amazing things that we're doing. Um, and we, we had the we had the data. We're data crazy. We wanted them to track career milestones and create that bit of online community as well, and really celebrate absolutely every single win that we could. So for the individual, for the organisation, uh, and it's really it's had a great amount of uptake. Um, and it's been a great way for us to share all the amazing stories with our people that we have. So in a nutshell, that's how our reward and recognition program has been centred around gamification, making it exciting and really sharing great stories with our people, not only for the things that they do performance-wise, but the things for all of the contributions to our culture. Well, you've talked about a lot of awesome things here today, and I'm sure people may have questions or want to learn more about your company. What's the best way for them to reach out, uh, learn more about you, learn more about the company? Uh, maybe they're in Australia and they're over on the, over in paradise there and want to yeah. work for you as well. Uh, what's the best way for people to do that? Um, so, so the best way to contact me personally would be via LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Ryan McCrory. You said it absolutely perfectly at the beginning. So Ryan, traditional spelling, and McGrory is M-C-G-R-O-R-Y. You'd find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best and easiest way to get in contact with me. Um, if you're if you're living in paradise, well, well uh, go to ue.com.au. It would be a very easy way to find our career section, and you, you would find all about the company, our history, uh, and what it's like to work, work here. Well, Ryan, really appreciate you joining us today. I know it's uh, an off time for you. Uh, it's a perfect time for me, but uh, an off yeah. time for you. So uh, I <laughs> no. really appreciate your flexibility and being a part of our live show, as we do do it live here uh, every Tuesday. Um, and hopefully we have you come back and give us all the wonderful updates that I'm sure you guys are going to have here in the coming months at some point. And uh, yes. uh, love to stay in touch with you. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for having us on, uh, and all the best. Great. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's show. Hopefully you've gained something you can use and will help you in your own career in a positive way. Uh, make sure to tune in next week. My guest will be uh, Kenny Berger, the president and CEO of WorkSearch.com. And then we'll have Charles Lee, the founder of CEO of Ideation. So until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.